that this could go all the way to a civil war, like if, if right? Yeah, exactly. That, <laughs> that's just like the logical conclusion. Where else would this go to? We're bombarded by like a landscape of information that no longer actually represents reality. We're being fed this in order to make us do or act in a certain way. I didn't find an answer in science or technology or engineering because at some point it's like, it feels that life is about something else. Enough of this, enough of this. I want life to be about what I care about. UBI is basically a band-aid on a gaping wound. Douglas Rushkoff, he came up with universal basic assets. Everyone has like a stake in humanity incorporated, right? There's this obscure, opaque, organizations staffed and filled with diplomats and lobbyists sit together coming up with like funny little edicts and then everyone has to do what they say what the f th th that was the french part and so um, <laughs> you french as you want i love europeans go ahead Oh my God, you're still here. Thank you so much for sticking around. Welcome to another episode of Noetic Nomads, number three. My guest today is Jochen Weber, or in his native Deutschland, Jochen Weber. Okay, so Jochen holds a special place in my heart. He was actually the first person in the sense-making community to reach out. When I first joined Rebel Wisdom, I was like still in my shell. I was kind of like, eh, I was in my own bubble. I didn't want to come out, right? Then after a Jonathan Pagot call, he was like, hey, Albert, what's up? I was like, hey, what's up? And I was like, okay, whatever. And then he was like, what's up again, Albert? I'm like, what? Leave me alone. But I was like, okay, I'll, I'll engage. And we ended up having like these amazing discussions. Let me give you an example of our very first email exchange. I said to him, and I quote, I believe that a likely way forward for humanity would be to merge into a techno-biological superorganism guided by an emergent collective consciousness arising out of our integration with AI and smart infrastructure. Now that might tell you where our conversations ended up leading. Jokin's been the main person whom I hash out my ideas with. As you'll see in our conversation, Jokin is super smart and thoughtful. He's a data analyst, programmer, brain imaging specialist, part-time philosophical blogger. I appreciate the fact that he spends any time at all dealing with a bozo like me. In this episode, we go over topics like the massive U.S. cultural divide, how to avoid a U.S. civil war, whether we're in an actual meta crisis, and what will go into building a pro-social network. This topic is more relevant than ever with the release of The Social Dilemma on Netflix and Brett Weinstein just getting the platform from Facebook a few days ago. I feel now like I built a lifeboat with noetic nomads. You ain't getting deplatformed here. Well, unless you're a psychopathic troll, you know, you gotta have some limits, right? Head on over to noeticnomads.org your brilliant articles and awesome events, connect with like minds and help co-create a new type of community. Dare I say, a pro social network. Be sure to rate and subscribe to Noetic Nomads on YouTube and on your favorite podcast provider so we can keep boosting these important messages out into the noosphere. Catch you on the other side. We are recording. Welcome everyone to another brand new episode of Noetic Nomads. I'm Albert Kim, the luckiest host in the world to these amazing discussions. And with me today is someone who was described by his Yale University School of Medicine colleagues as their brilliant go-to neuroscience elf. 
a transdisciplinary thinker who blends his 18-year academic background in data science and brain imaging with psychology, philosophy, political science, economics, and spirituality, a consultant for CanLab at Yale University, a senior imaging analyst at Columbia University, where he developed his brilliantly named NeuroElf software. As a speaker of four languages, I'm not surprised he's the one person I've met who is more loquacious than I am. Nomads, please help me in introducing a man who's 8 million times smarter than I am, yet always made me feel like an equal. His name is Jochen Weber. Hey, Albert. Hey, thank you so much for coming on today. <laughs> All right, so, please. Quite an introduction. Own... Yeah, <laughs> thank you. I want to make sure everyone knows just how amazing and lovely you are. Jochen, okay, okay. So, please, in your own words, let these lovely people know how you cross paths with a weirdo like me. Um, yeah, we met at uh, Rebel Wisdom at uh, like one of the calls, and then I think I emailed you, and mm -hmm. we just, just got talking about really already in, in our first couple emails, I believe, uh, a, a wide variety of topics from like society, <laughs> economics. My I God. think we touched on cancer biology. It's mm. like it's, and I, I want to make sure that <laughs> your audience is aware. As much as I read a lot, and I think I, I've. I believe I think a lot. Um, I would never dare to call myself an expert in any of these kind of domains, in part because um, what exactly like makes an expert? And uh, then so like I, I feel much more humble about my, my, my own thinking skills. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, look, Jokin, I, yeah, I told you, you're like, I was like, Oh, Jokin, you want to come on? I was like, oh, I just want to know. Oh, I'm not an expert. I was like, Jokin, that's exactly who I want on this show. It's not these siloed experts who are all just like, you know, thinking one way. This exactly. I mean, we, we want these transdisciplinary thinkers like I like I described you as like these, these Renaissance men, women, non binary, trans disciplinary animals, AIs, everyone. So so don't worry, you're at home here. No, no. I'm just very amused. I, 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 you know, it's, but it's very nice to get an introduction like this. I have to tell you. I mean, look, that's who you are. Like, look, this is why I'm here, right? I'm like, I'm trying to get all these amazing people on. Like I said, because, I like again, you didn't watch my first published video, but like I said, I like, like, like the. To me, it's the experts, right? It's the experts who are telling us what to do. Like, it's kind of like with Jordan Hall and uh, with uh, Marshall McLuhan, this broadcast mentality about a few broadcasting to the many, and we got to accept the right opinion. So, I mean, please, I mean, I mean, please, the, I mean, you're, you're amazing. So, I mean, I would like to start this off by asking you, so what exactly was it that attracted you to Rebel Wisdom and their community? Um, I fell into the rabbit hole uh, myself a little bit when I started reading about Jordan Peterson and I wanted mm. really to know a little bit more like who is this guy and the best and for me I would say least biased or or most just like genuine curiosity uh, um, filled attitude towards Jordan Peterson came from Rebel Wisdom mm. where they were like really kind of talking with him and then also really trying to to look at like so what what is he actually doing and that was my first exposure. And then, of course, I uh, um, looked up and down the channel lists, uh, uh, the, the, the videos on the channel. And uh, about, I think now, seven, eight months ago, I became a member mm. and have been participating on calls. Oh, really? Seven, eight months ago? I mean, like, I was, uh, I joined back in, like, what was it? june or something oh so i thought you seem like a like an old school vet to me but only, only a few months cool so wait so seven months ago that was 
That was March. At the beginning, at the, at the beginning when like COVID, COVID exactly hit hit the news, kind of like. Look, this is like I find this a theme everywhere. It's like COVID hits, then everyone starts digging in, and like the one thing I find is like I like I ask a lot of people, how did you find this place? How did you find the place? And the one theme, it's like literally seventy percent is Daniel Schmachtenberger. Everyone's like, Daniel, it's crazy. Cause I, I didn't like, I was like, I, I knew Daniel Schmachtenberger from like his work with a, a neurohacker collective as biohacking. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, for some reason COVID hit and I'm like, you know what? I have a craving for Daniel Schmachtenberger. And it's so crazy how it's everyone had the same thing. Like, what do you think it is about like this moment where has like people come into communities like like Rebel Wisdom and like Daniel Schmachtenberger, like mania, like, what do you think it is? um yeah it's my my strong hunch is for a lot of people it was this very deep deep-seated uncertainty about what is going to happen with this thing unfolding mm. and we need uh, access to a source of information a source of of wisdom a source of honest reflection of what's going on mm. without an agenda without someone as you said right not coming with this energy of like here's what you have to do mm, yeah if exactly. you do this then everything will be all right but rather here's what's might be happening right now and here's what could be happening soon and we're all trying to get through this and but we don't really know what will be the best action right now but we want to sensitize you for where you can look and how you can look for information mm, yeah i got you and like i mean at, at your introduction at the rebelism circle um i found this very interesting because uh you said that the thing that you're still questioning right now is you want to reconcile the learnings of humanists like carl rogers and marshall rosenberg who's into nonviolent communication i mean i've heard a lot about that and i find that i don't know much but i'd be very interested to hear more and like and you balance that right with the need to stand your ground in the face mm -hmm. of like ideological narrowing both sides of the spectrum yeah and so i, I was wondering like your thoughts on that and it's just like 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 how do we seek out truth and how do we go about this like what you know while like you know what while, while, while being sovereign while taking all these you know different perspectives into into consideration yeah it's absolutely a challenge i um i, I perceive that for for myself and i guess for a lot of people it feels like a lot of things coming at us with ever more like like ever higher frequency right you you're mm. getting bombarded with like news and what you're supposed to be thinking and doing and whatever and at the same time uh obviously ever increasing sense of not knowing really for certain what to be doing and what what, what to think of certain things and then to develop enough sense of i'm not gonna just react but rather I'm, I'm take enough time for me to make sense of what's going on and and this is for me the the stand your ground moment right where you just don't let the uh, um i i wouldn't call it bullying right but like the mm. the media landscape all of the information that is like f firing at you mm. not to let mm. this kind of push you around and you just like respond and react but you really act out of like your own convictions and what what you actually want to do mm. yeah i mean and like 
this goes back to our initial email exchange, which I think is very, is, like I look like in a research this episode, I will look back at a re- initial exchange and they're like, it's really interesting. And it's just like, um, I stayed like, you asked me questions like, so what do you think is going on with the world? And I was like, I believe that a likely way, I'm gonna, this is my quote, I believe that a likely way forward for humanity will be to merge into a techno biological superorganism <laughs> guided by an emergent collective consciousness arising out of our integration with AI and smart infrastructure. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, you know, it's funny. Like I thought I, I sounded really smart when I said that. And then I was like, and then I learned about you. I was like, oh my God, I just made a fool <laughs> out of myself. Yo, he thinks I'm such an idiot. So yeah. So, so again, and like, this goes into how, like, um, how you, you think like the, uh, like the, the opposing sides, like all these, like, uh, like these polarized groups, right. They're screaming at each other. And like, how you kind of like built on that and you're like, oh, they're like, uh, how'd you say you put, they're like antagonistic forces, right? That are like a creating like a group kind of yeah. leverage and all that. And like, like mm-hmm. it's like, and then they're like, it's like this, uh, they allows a superordinate entity to emerge mm-hmm. from that. And then it moves and adjusting. So I, I was just wondering your thoughts on that. And if you could like elaborate on, what, on your current thoughts. Um, yeah. So I would say the easiest example might be if you have, um, like a, a, within one group of people, so there there is like some desire to act and and uh, work together. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I think it doesn't it doesn't really emerge, because then you have outright war. But if you have one group of people, and then you have on a specific decision a disagreement, where like roughly half of the people think this way and half of the people think mm-hmm. that way, and then they're pushing against one another. And of course, for the people individually, this is very unpleasant because mm. uh, the way that I think humans are structured is that once a given, like a, I believe something and I want to see that happening, uh, I become very like convinced that that's the way to go and like push, push everyone mm. in that direction. right? Yeah. And, and of course, there's people on the other side who think the same way, only about a different outcome. Mm. And then if they push, then I think that there is this kind of a moment where it really takes a while before some kind of solution emerges, but it is that kind of energy that is necessary, yeah, yeah. right? And, and that, that is what I would call leverage. And it reminds me a little bit uh, uh, in, in biology, for instance, I would say muscles that keep you yeah. standing upright. They work in this antagonistic principle, right? You have like on this side you have a muscle pushing and you have or rather you're not contracting Mm. and then you have here a muscle contracting and they have to contract really kind of in tandem and like back and forth and back and forth and that keeps you standing and if if one group were to give up you like literally fall over that way and if the other group were to give up then you fall over that way and so it is very unpleasant for people to be with this tension and to at some point just like come into this awareness that hey this is this is normal this is necessary Mm, right we're just going through a phase where we're currently haggling out a very very deep question and maybe we can try to figure out what that question exactly might be Mm, two sides to it right where one side says no we're going to do it this way and the other side says no we're going to do it that way and they're really kind of saying and the other people must be either idiots or evil or like some kind of conspiracy theory, right? Mm. They they want to destroy the place or whatever you might think of the other side. And then to actually come to this understanding, no, 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 this is all normal. Mm. Because as an individual, uh, 
it's it's just my understanding that you have a very very limited perspective on on reality and you can really just like push more or less in the directions in which your personality is set up to push right mm -hmm. if if you like order you want things more orderly and if you uh, uh, like authority structures you want things to be structured that way mm, yeah. and if right and, and so like you push in that direction and then you need people on the other side to push against you and that is very unpleasant because you think no, I should get my way. And the other, mm. other people think, no, I should get my way, right? And you just need this pressure to actually come to this pathway that is good for everyone to some extent. And mm. I, I can't say exactly what it is over like different time, time scales. It seems to cycle between people having some understanding that, that this more like, like mediation is necessary, that you have to mediate between those two forces and find a middle way. Yeah. And then there are times where it seems people forget about this very deep, deep wisdom and truth. And then they really think, no, no, the, what I have to do is really kind of quash the opposition and get my way. And of course, that then leads to conflict breaking out mm, yeah. more and more. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was brilliant how um, you put it again, like the opposing forces and then like, it's like it's like like you said they provide the fuel to create the organism and keep it in check. And while yeah. I mean you could have like the mic like adjustments and micro adjustments all the way, but also allow like large scale movement like a like a like a pathway like a cascade where you could just make yeah. radical change immediately. Yeah. And so like this is what I was like. So can you go into like how how you talked about like group leverage and then plus sovereignty. And you thought that that would lead to something I believe you called awakening. So I was wondering yeah. if you could go further on that. So the the, the two, uh, um, and, and on each side, I think there is some recognition um, that people want for themselves autonomy, right? The pe mm, yes. People don't mm -hmm. like the experience of having others tell them what to do. Mm. And... Um, the, what I would call awakening is really people to fully appreciate, hey, and the people on the other side also don't like that about my preferences. So if let's say I am imagining being a very woke liberal Democrat who says like, no, everyone needs to respect people of color and transsexuals and this and this and this and this and this and this, and this because they want to live their lives in peace and they want to be supported and they want to not be you know like pushed around by police or by other cultural institutions mm. they just want to be free and, and 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 live in liberty and dignity and all of these things and great right but the way that they go about this is in a very domineering aggressive way yeah, yeah. and so what I, what i think is missing at the moment is this kind of awakening that the other side also is striving for some autonomy about other things, right? Mm. Where, where they want to feel, no, 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 we're not being told, let's say if I imagine I'm, I'm, I'm a Trump supporter and every once in a while I read like QAnon feeds and I'm a bit into like certain conspiracies that the government has infiltrated or like that, that, that a group of elite people have infiltrated government and media organizations mm. and whatever. And we're bombarded by like an, a landscape of, of information that no longer actually represents reality, but it's just like a filtered version of like 0.001% of what's actually going on. Hmm. And it is just like, 
th th this this two-dimensional sliver of something and that we're being fed this in order to make us do or act in a certain way so for mm -hmm. instance someone who lives and i i've never lived in like one of the central like states that are sometimes you know i've i've, I've read uh, um hillbilly hillbilly allergy yeah. and i've read uh, chris and artist dignity so i like where people from the central parts of the united states really are given a voice and I can only imagine if I live there and I rarely ever get into a situation with someone who I perceive interacting with based on race or where like their gender representation or anything is, is, is of any import to me. Hmm. Why do I have to pay so much attention to this all of a sudden if my life revolves around entirely different things, hmm. right? And then... I, I really at some point am totally fed up and say like, enough of this, enough of this. Mm. I want like life to be about what I care about, not just like about what like certain crazy people in some parts of the country where that is, seems to be their biggest problem at the moment, but they're telling me this and I don't even know what to do with it. Like, mm. am I to self to self flagellate or like what, what, what please. Right. Mm. And so I, I see uh, um, I, a, a disconnect between what people's actual reality is and what like a certain representation of reality is where for instance every time there is a very tragic event like um, police uh, uh, dealing with a suspect in a way where that suspect is in the end killed and in, in a very tragic and certainly unjust way right and then this person is a person of color. And the media will then make it look like as though that is kind of the thing that is going on in the country. Right? Yeah, that's, exactly. that's, that is what's going on. Mm. And it's not as though it is not going on. But the question is, what else is going on? And what else are we not paying attention to? And how much, how much attention should we pay to this, given everything else that is going on? And so I think those are all fair questions. And it is very difficult for the groups that, for instance, want to advocate for the improvement of the conditions of certain groups of people to then find a way of getting the people that they haven't reached yet on board. And I think in principle, yeah. uh, when, when I say leveraging, right, uh, most of the time, I believe that we still operate under some sort of, and this is maybe where nonviolent communication or my, my understanding of it comes in. We operate under some sort of process or approach by which if I want to get someone else to do something different from what they're already doing, the way to do this is to point out what they're doing wrong and to blame them or shame mm, them yeah, yeah. and then to say, and this is what you have to do instead. And if you don't do it, you're a bad person. Hmm. And, you know, the, this is a very kind of like disconnecting way of trying to take control of other people's actions, right? If, if I wanted, uh, let's say, my husband to, I don't know, come home at a specific time every day, and I could then say, hey, if you're not home then, then I'll like, I'll, I'm hmm. going to make a fuss or whatever, right? Yeah. And, and it, it just creates pressure. And that's, I, I think, what's happening on both sides at the moment, that we're talking to one another 
with this kind of idea that the, the, the best way to get other people to act differently is to exert pressure, to really kind of say, if you don't act in this way that I think is best, then you're either a bad person or an idiot or some, some other epithet, right? Mm. And the awakening for me would be to, to fully understand that as long as someone doesn't go along with my suggestion, they have a very, very deep-seated reason for not doing so. And without understanding what that reason is, I can push as much as I want, but it will only lead to this kind of like mounting pressure in the end. Mm -hmm. And like th th this could go all the way to a civil war, like if, if right? Yeah, exactly. That, <laughs> that's just like the logical conclusion. Where else mm -hmm. would this go to? Mm -hmm. Because it seems unlikely that one side would simply at some point say, ah, oh, you know, you're right. Let's do it your way. That's that, that, that I see where, where would that come from? Mm. It's just like, yeah, I, I can't, I can't think of a way. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, like it is crazy. Cause like, you know, for a long time, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to come out the closet. Like I was, I, I was a really big, like conspiracy theorist, like <laughs> super big, digging it to all the, you know, the, you know, you know, Bilderberg and Illuminati and all that stuff. And I'm like, Okay, I mean, there is some truth there, clearly, but it just like, but I, a long time I was like preparing for like the apocalypse. And, but, you know, but, but, you know, but it's just like, it was just, but after a while, I was like, eh, whatever, I'm just being an idiot. I'm just being like a doomsday prepper. But now, actually, no, I'm right. There's a reason that there's this like uh, prepare for doomsday mentality, prepare for Armageddon, you know, like instinct in humanity, because like this thing keeps happening again and again, like a civil war, especially with. The election's coming up in what is it? Three weeks now, Indeed. and then we're not. We're and after election, after the day after election day, we're not going to know who's president yet because of COVID, because of the elections, and then there's going to be all this drama and all this tension. Like, are we even going to believe the results? And like, literally, like they're like a significant portion on both sides. Like, are like we're not going to accept the results anyway. So this is like you know this is big stuff. And like, and going on what you're saying about like how people want to keep telling other people what to do. And I, I, you know, and I'm reading one of your blog posts. You're talking about how, like, how, like, truth seeking without respect is like it, to the way I say it, it's kind of like masturbation. You're talking about in like the academic circles where, like, you want to say that, okay, uh, 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 this person is not abiding by the strict rules of, of like academic formal logic. Therefore, I'm not going to accept their opinion. But even though, like, you could turn that same, uh, you know, you could sing the term rhetoric against that own argument. And that you even, uh, and like, you even said that, like, in going on what you said about like democracy and how like the people in the middle of the country, right? They're like, why do you keep telling me that this is what matters? Like, this is not me. And you're like, you said democracy, if poorly understood as majority rule over minority, it comes down to the experience that a lot of voices don't matter. It's just like these broadcasts, this broadcast is telling us this matters and that you, like these media, white media elites, like on the coast, they're saying like, oh, we're bad. And actually what they're actually tr trying to say is you're bad. You know, they're trying to, you know, it's not like, you know, these, like I said, the self-flagellating coastal white elites, liberal elites, they're, they're, it's kind of, they're, they're, they're virtue signaling saying like, oh, I'm like, like, oh, I'm so pure and all that because I'm, you know, I'm like whipping myself. But no, actually what they're actually doing is they're projecting that onto all these other, the white trash, the rednecks and all that, you know. So I think that, you know, I was like, really speaks to the moment, what you're going on about democracy and not having a voice. And it's, it, it's interesting. So I've, I had a conversation just like last night with my husband about like virtue signaling. And I, yeah. uh, 
I, I do actually think that from an evolutionary point of view, there is great value in not only having virtues and like doing them at home, but actually demonstrating to the people around you what the virtues mm -hmm. are, right? Yeah. So that, I, I wouldn't say that virtue signaling in itself is a bad thing. Right. Uh, the question is always, what is the intent behind my signaling the virtue, right? Mm -hmm. So because I can't signal virtue to my environment and saying like, hey, I'm behaving this way. And I really think that's the best way for everyone to behave. And mm -hmm. if someone doesn't behave that way, I can inquire and be like, hey, uh, by the way, I, I, I saw you uh, behaving differently. Uh, am I missing something? Have we moved on? What's going on? Talk to me, right? But I can also virtue signal and like do do it from an from a uh, how to say that an intentionality of superiority where like I strut yes, around exactly. chest chest <laughs> you know right out there and be like ha I know I know what to do I'm yeah, yeah. I I'm wearing I'm wearing my mask or like whatever it is right so like and to the extent that people want to signal to the environment, hey, I believe this is the best behavior I can at the moment demonstrate and show and, and like an act. I find that perfectly valid and helpful because that is how a culture actually, I think, yeah. transmits its values. Because if everyone did all the good things just in their own home, no one would actually know what the culture is, right? So there must mm -hmm. be a way by which people share a, a common space, a public space, and then actually like the, the virtues come out through signaling mm. the question then is what do you do with people who don't immediately pick up or who have specific reasons not to comply right and, and this for me is always like the the point like if someone doesn't go along with your preferences how do you deal with that mm. i mean yeah and like this is this is very like i'm about to pose a question which is very relevant for this like I started Noic Nomads, right? Like, like what I'm trying to do is trying to bring all these different thinkers, all these, you know, visionaries, radical people, like, you know, the peers, not, not necessarily the experts who have been telling us what to do, not even necessarily the sense-making experts, but the people on the ground, the smart, radical people on the ground, right, who have their own unique experiences, their own unique gifts that only mm -hmm. they can bring to the world. And we need all these different voices for to have a collective intelligence and, and, and figure out what's going on. And like, I'm not gonna, like, I, I, like, you know, it's like, there's a part of me that's like, I am virtue signaling, you know, like, I'm like saying like, you know, you know, I'm doing like, uh, the, the, you know, it's, I'm like branding it. I'm like saying, oh, like, <laughs> you know, positive stuff come in, you know, make a beautiful future. And it's just like, there's this tension. Right. And I, I, uh, I posted on Twitter. Right. Uh, there's my post was like, I said, I am not afraid of failure. I am afraid of success by virtue of losing my soul. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like, yeah, I, it's like I am in a sense, I am virtue signaling. And, and my goal is I'm calling this a pro social network. Noetic nomads, it's noetic network, whatever this thing can become is a pro social network, especially with, you know, the release of the social dilemma documentary on Netflix. Everyone is talking about this and it's crazy. Literally, like people were literally just talking about this. I say like on the Stoa discord, they're like, how do we build a pro social network? And I'm, I'm watching this. I'm like, oh my God, I'm literally about to release. <laughs> like, how do we, I'm like, oh my God. So I was like, I don't know your thoughts. Like, like, like I, what exactly, yeah. what exactly is like, could a pro social network be and how can i like incorporate all this i'd love to know like yeah um 
it's certainly a challenge to find ways in which technology could help for people to overcome some of their distrust. Because I, I would say one of the, the biggest challenges that I see is uh, the formation of, or, or rather the, the generation of the perception that I am linked to mostly people that agree with me mm. and that there is another group of people who I'm not connected to who I disagree with. And it creates a virtual boundary, like like these. It's literally like like the uh, uh, membrane of a bubble, oh, right? Oh yeah. So, yeah. So, so you have something inside, and you have something outside, and the, the membrane protects you in a certain way from the harshness of having to deal with the underlying emotional, motivational, archetypal forces the, the literally the biological intentionality coming from the other side because you have some sort of protective uh, uh, surrounding by people who are like-minded mm -hmm. and so like a truly pro-social network uh, may have to include a mechanism that makes this membrane almost like a like an actual cell membrane semi-permeable mm -hmm. such that like okay. things can actually pass through in a constructive way right so not like without the membrane you have chemicals going left and right and yeah. firing upon one another and you don't have any structure and everything falls apart but if the membrane is too too strong then at some point you don't have any exchange and like whatever goes on on the other side will at some point mm. become threatening to you yeah. because there's growth going on there's change going on and you don't even know what how to deal with that because there's no actual exchange so mm. there must still be a fruitful constructive exchange going on and uh it's difficult for me to if, if you're now asking me so how would that look like and you're putting I mean, me like this... look we're, we're we're doing this on the fly no, exactly. i mean just let's exactly. do it yeah. like this 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 is spitballing but i find it yeah. super fascinating to to speculate yeah um one of the things that i imagine would be really really important is that to the extent and i've seen this right on facebook happen where i've posted threads on facebook and then I have conservative friends and I have very liberal friends mm. and they jump into the conversation and they're literally within like one or two wow. posts they're at each other's throats, right? And there's like, uh, uh, there's language in those posts that really to me suggests like a deep-seated distrust, like where, where one side might, someone from the more democratic side might, might say, oh, all Republicans are dot, dot, dot. And I wouldn't mm, say necessarily yeah. there's the word murderers, but like all Democrats, all Republicans are. And then something that is clearly saying they cannot be trusted. We mm. cannot trust Republicans to, to act in a way that is good for the country, right? And, mm. and the same is on the same side. So I think what, what is like going on is a expression on a very emotional deep level of distrust there's exactly. a group yeah. and we cannot trust them and so what do you do when you want to develop trust and i would say you start by sending messengers right you 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 you, mm -hmm. you have two kingdoms and they are at war and they have been at war for quite a while or like they're preparing for war and you still want to avert it what do you do well you don't want to send someone with a white flag and saying like okay we give up <laughs> just yeah. just just yeah. come and take us because like no one wants to do that. So you probably want to send like a messenger, like a, a, a parliament, parliamentary, like like uh, uh, someone who can parlor on your behalf. 
and who knows how to do that. And so to some extent, maybe a, pro, a pro-social network would, for each group, identify members in that group who have the highest tolerance for, let's say, the mm-hmm. thinking patterns on the other side, who, yeah, exactly. who are dedicated to dialogue, who are really interested in finding common ground as much as possible, right? And to, do, and to develop space in between so that the membrane can actually become carefully semi-permeable. And for that, the membrane must, must be quite a bit thicker because it must work as a filter to let things through slowly mm. and in a, in a relatively more controlled way. And um, yeah, I, I, I would then assume that the values on both sides must be different than I'm just seeking re like affirmation of my own position. Uh, so it is the it is the much more dialectic value of like okay there is something else out there there is another group out there that completely disagrees with what I'm thinking and saying and I don't even understand what is going on for them right they're mm-hmm. they're they're a mystery and my best my my best first shot at an explanation is that they're either either stupid or evil but like let's not believe that because that is the pathway towards conflict and violence so mm-hmm. let's try let's try something else. And what is then necessary is like some attitude of like maybe curiosity and like willingness to just like see what happens if you start talking with those people. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like uh, that's basically exactly what I was thinking. It's just like the Venn diagram people. It's like you got this, you got this group, and you got this group, and you got this thing in the middle, and they could act like kind of like emissaries, and they're kind of like, and it's kind of yeah. like what Obama did. Like, you know, people are like, Obama, he's black. No, actually, he's black and white. He's a Venn diagram. He's the one that bridged it. You know, like, that's, you know, that's one of the things. So, I mean, yeah, and just like. So I, 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 I would like to point out, and I don't know how many uh, conservative viewers you expect you'll have in the first couple of weeks. We welcome everyone. <laughs> but uh, um, to the extent that you say, oh, that's what Obama did. I would at least say the people that I know who are very conservative, they actually and like, given that I'm not in their skin, I cannot verify this in any way, right? I, I can only now say that their experience was that Obama did not particularly try to reach out to, certainly mm. not the, the I, I think he reached out to those segment of the conservatives who were on the losing side already in, in 2012, mm. uh, and then who definitely lost in 2016 yeah. when Donald Trump got the nomination. Right. So Donald Trump was running against what, 11, 12, 13 other Republican candidates, many of whom had at least a reasonable name brand recognition Mm. in the country. Right. Uh, Maybe they haven't been on on reality TV as much as Donald Trump, but clearly one would assume that if you are conservative and you're about to choose your next president during a nomination process, you want someone with political instinct and some knowledge of like the process and like who knows how to deal with everything rather than an outsider who literally you throw in and the person may have a, a brash attitude and a, might might come across as very kind of like fortuitous mm-hmm. but doesn't really know anything about the inner inner machine but that's exactly the person who was picked and i mm-hmm. think the the reason for that is that on the Republican side, people are quite a bit further in the rejection of what one word for that is establishment, 
right? Mm. This idea uh, that life is best approached in a manner by which for everything you have a procedure and you apply the procedure with a certain kind of measure and then you measure and then you kind of refine that. And it's just like, uh, uh, and, and it, it sounds like, oh, isn't that the only way? And maybe on some level it is, but once you spell it out into a legalistic framework, right? And, and if you start saying, and it doesn't really matter in which area, there's areas in which the Democrats are probably prone to overregulation. Uh, and there's like the education system and like how, what the curriculum has to be and like no child left behind. And here's the testing parameters. And if, if, if like children don't do at least as good, then we have to do this. And like all of this stuff, right. Where yeah. like, you could also say, Hey, why don't we just hire teachers and uh, let's see what happens. And if the parents don't like it, then we have to hire different teachers or whatever, but we leave it really to the schools Let the schools figure that out. Let's completely get out of education. You could say that. Right. And that's, I think more like the Republican party's attitude in that domain. And then you have other domains in which it might be completely reversed hmm. where the Republicans feel, no, we have to control this and this aspect uh, uh, of, I don't know, like in, in, when it comes to uh, military intervention and weapons and like whatever, right? So like there, there's a certain, or law and order. I mean, clearly like whenever like someone violates some sort of like the protocol, the best ways to throw that person to prison and punish them, punish them, punish them. And then once they get out, uh, then we have to monitor them because there's a bad person, right? There's a lot of regulation on that side, right? And so clearly I think there is a rejection of a, of a growing segment of the population that this approach to life by which you best create a rule, you write the rule into like law or legislation, and then you just make sure that everyone follows the rule. Like some sort of like that approach hmm. isn't really working for a lot of people, it seems. And so they just want to say, no, deregulate and almost like break, break the system. And so for me, um, when you said like, oh, Obama was was this kind of bridge, he was I supposed think, to. I don't actually, no, I, I don't actually I, think he was, but he was. That's like he was supposed no, no, to. Exactly, yeah. and, and I think he he might have been the bridge between a certain type of Democrat and a certain type of conservative, mm. but certainly not. Let's say like the Bernie and the Tea Party, like the yeah. Bernie liberals and the Tea Party conservatives. Yeah. I think those were literally like taken out of the picture to some extent, and those were mm. the ones who. Uh, uh, really kind of became the big crowds, right? Where the rallies are, where people really feel energized to like mm. almost say, no, 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 like politics needs to be done differently than this kind of like from, of, of, from high on up, we get like the regulations and then we have to follow the rules or something. Mm. Yeah, it's like, it's the blue church. It's a reaction around the blue church. It's like people are like, oh, why do they elect Trump? It's just like, it just, it's like I said, it was the uh, supposed great uniter, Obama, which didn't work. <laughs> and then it's just like, oh, economic collapse. Oh, the blue church keeps telling us how horrible we are. You know what? We're going to throw out democracy. And like, this leads me to my next point. Because I was like, I've, I've noticed a lot, right? Like that there are all these cyclical theories of history. Like you go to like a Strauss Howe with like the fourth turning to anacyclosis. I just saw this in the Game B Facebook where it's just like, where it goes from monarchy, which goes, uh, which, which turns into like a tyranny. And then from that, you're going to aristocracy, uh, which turns into an oligarchy. 
And then you go to, that's when you go, okay, now we go to democracy. But then after you go to democracy, that's when it's just like, oh, it becomes the tyranny of the majority and then like a plutocracy. And then you start reverting, you go back <laughs> to the monarchy, right? So I was wondering, like, it just like, are we like, is this really what's going on? Are we inside? Like, and again, all these older cyclical theories, like with Tainter, Jared Diamond, like Baudrillard, uh, we're in the, like, the Kali Yuga right now. Like, are we like, is this really what it is? Are we actually just in a cycle? And are we, is this, is this inevitable? And we're just going to go through this again? Or can we break into a new cycle? Like, can we transition to like a different attractor? Like, what do you think about that? Um, so full disclosure, I, I am not particularly familiar with the theoretical, like laying out the argument oh, yeah, yeah. For, from like, okay, here's like three cycles in history or like whatever. Mm. Um, intuitively, I would say there, there are certainly many things that seem to manifest in cycles. Uh, one of the, and it's not so much a counter argument, but at least like a specific additional, like, like, aspect or perspective to that that for me comes right in is daniel schmackenberger's uh, mm. uh like point where well uh yes this has happened maybe like many times but now it's happening on a global scale and so you, you like each and every time when you kind of upscale the conflict at some point you can no longer make the switch to like the next layer of control mm. right because you just don't there is nothing beyond this planet there is no interplanetary council who, who we could at least that we know to. of <laughs> yeah like who, who we could like appeal to like oh yeah. like how, how do we regulate it on that level or something yeah. and so um i i do think that this kind of movement movement against globalism mm. which which i think really is is this notion of uh regulating certain things worldwide from the top down right so let's mm. say uh, uh, there's many organizations one of them that i happen to know of is the world intellectual property organization wipo oh, yeah. and they try to harmonize how intellectual property is treated everywhere in the world uh, just because it makes it easier for licensing agreements and for trade agreements and all of that stuff mm. but then again what if different cultures actually have different expectations about what intellectual property actually is which clearly is the case mm, yeah, with exactly. let's say china and the united states exactly yeah and now who 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 gets to dictate that right should there should there even be like necessarily like anyone who dictates oh no this is exactly what intellectual property is and now everyone has to do what we say period mm. and why right like and, and and i think that is roughly the the, the conflict that i see the conflict that says the best way to organize humanity on the planet in, 20, in the 21st century is some version by which we harmonize all expectations across the planet and mm. everyone knows what is a minimum income and everyone knows what is like the poverty line and it's everywhere the same and like no one needs to be like different from anyone else and we're all like equal, like mm. ec yeah. equity, right? This, it, it's, it's really part of this expectation that like there, there is a set of rules that is applied everywhere, a standard. And this standard is not like decided locally, but decided somewhere far, far away in a galaxy far, far away, mm. right? There's, there's someone and you don't even know who like some, and that's, I think, where the conspiracy theories then come in, right? There's this yep. kind of obscure, opaque organizations staffed and, and filled with like 
diplomats and lobbyists and industrialists and politicians, and they all kind of sit together three times a year, coming up with like funny little edicts, and then everyone has to do what they say. What the fuck? <laughs> That was the French part. And so, <laughs> be um, French as you want. I love Europeans. Go ahead. <laughs> and so, I, I can totally see why this is met. And I, and I do think it is this redneck culture, right? Mm. It is the culture that, and, and so I just recently read Thomas Sowell's Black Rednecks and White Liberals. Mm. And where I think he gets it right is to really describe these two cultural attitudes that uh, are now present in the United States as this kind of very coastal, elitist, globalist attitude towards like, yes, we know what's best for everyone. We know that everyone needs 2000 calories a day. And that means they need so and so much, at least rice or bread or this and this. Let's enshrine that in like the human charter of dignity and everyone has to do it. And if anyone doesn't do it, they are, it's a crime against humanity. Poof. Okay. And then you have a culture that as far as I understood Thomas Sowell correctly, he thinks was transplanted from the Scottish Highlands where Uh, uh, like really in like a couple centuries ago, it grew as a culture of defiance of like, we're not going to do, we're not going to live a life based on rules. We're going to live into the day and do our thing. And we have our pride and we have our dignity and we have our, you know, like, like, and, and, and of course this is on, on the, on the elitist globalist side, this is called toxic masculinity. Because it is like mm. almost like a combination of hubris and over self overconfidence, you know, like where, where people are so confident that they will get it right, despite the fact that they don't know anything. Mm. But my, my take is that is from, a, from an evolutionary perspective, it was just the counter pressure that developed to really say, we will not be ruled by foreign lords who tell us what to do. It's not going to mm. happen. Yeah. And we stick it to you guys. When we stick it to you royally, and I, I really think that the that the Trump nomination and election was the most visible sign yet for me that that culture had manifested enough to actually really stick it to the globalist culture, at least in the United States. Right? There were enough people who said, like, enough with the overbearing overregulation, enough already, and. Uh, It's, it's really tough, I think, to dig deep enough to really see, so how do we kind of reconcile this thing? Because mm -hmm. clearly, as Th Thomas Sowell also says, the much more sophisticated and technocratic and technological culture that comes with a lot of like timetables and rules and uh, 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 structures comes with a lot of benefits, right? Your, yeah. your world is actually running much, much smoother if everyone uses IPv4 or IPv6 mm. and not every router that you meet in the internet has its own internet protocol, right? Yeah. It, like the world goes much smoother if everyone plays by roughly the same rules. That is true. But how do you roll out these rules without producing a sense of rejection and resentment and defiance in the people who didn't have any control over the rule 
in in the first place, mm, yeah. right? And I think that th- that is the challenge that I see. And 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 for, for of course, creating enough trust on both sides to actually think that the other side is willing to make concessions and not just like take whatever they want and go with it. And I I see this as like one of the central central problems for humanity, really for the next generation or two. Yeah, I mean. That's brilliant. I mean, like, and that goes back to, again, to our original discussions. Like, we keep seeing the strings from here to there. Because, like, I remember (laughs) when I was telling you about the the onco-germinative metazoa 1.0 theory of cancer. Sorry for for that Uh, word salad. Yeah, it's it's basically like, um, uh, um, I I read about it in um, the book by Sayer G, uh, Regenerate. Like, he he runs uh, greenmetinfo.com. Like, I'm heavily into alternative health and biohacking. And, like, this theory of cancer, I know you said your, your husband works in cancer. So I mean, like, I'd be interested if you know, if any insight that you get from maybe him, uh, from you, but it's like, so basically the, the theory says that tumors are basically the result of cells reverting back to ancient metazoan modes of survival, Mm -hmm. you know, because I said like, you know, single cells, they were immortal. Like they could divide, you know, infinitely, but it's just kind of like they, you know, they they said, Oh, like we could get an advantage. We could like, you know, have greater capacity if we cohere into uh you know uh, um, uh like uh, uh you know like a, like an organism whether whether mm-hmm. it's um let me go back like a the uh prokaryote the eukaryote the mitochondria the to the animals and now we're talking about the the super the the human super organism and like that goes right with what we're saying which is like hey all these groups right here it's like we believed in this structure we we used to believe in the society right we used mm-hmm. to believe in the american dream but it's like you know what it's not working out anymore. So you know what? We're gonna we're gonna you know undomesticate. We're gonna rewild, and we're gonna go crazy, and we're either gonna die or we're gonna turn into cancer, and just we're gonna suck everything in. And by you know like by you know by this, it's very, quite possible that by everyone being uh you know every man for themselves, that they're gonna destroy the the entire superstructure and themselves, just like a cancer does, and when they're malignant, and. Th- th- this is the thing. Like this is a, a concept that I came up with recently. Um, it's not, it's obviously not original, but, uh, when I looked it up, it's like, there, there's no one quite like this, the, the, the specific concept wasn't, uh, uh, originated yet. Basically, uh, like Robert, uh, Nozick, uh, the political philosopher, he had a concept called meta utopia. Basically what you're saying is like, there's no one utopia that everyone's going to like. It's, it's a ridiculous notion that we're going to have one utopia everyone is going to be perfect for everyone. Cause like newsflash, everyone is different. Right. <laughs> and like they evolve in the future. So he's like, we need to create like a meta structure where like everyone can have their own little perfect utopia, a meta utopia that allows all these different utopias all across the globe, all across the globe, all across, you know, if we survive all across the galaxy and whatnot. Right. And just the thing that my little tweak to it is cause he calls it a meta utopia, U T O P I A. And I thought, no, actually, it should be more like meta utopia, E-U-T-O-P-I-A. Because in the, in the Greek, utopia means not place. U means not, topia, or topos means place. So utopia is basically not a place. It cannot exist, right? So when I say a meta utopia, E-U, it's like uh, a good place. It's like a container for many good places. So I was wondering what your thoughts on like, it's just like, we got to have like, like these, like, I don't know, like this, like the structure, maybe like this, this, this very, 
kind of it's kind of like libertarian like robert nozick you know he, he had anarchy the state and utopia it's kinda like it's kind of like a libertarian thing but it's it, it's it but not necessarily you know the political libertarian but it's like some sort of superstructure that's universal but that allows for all of these different utopias e-utopias to to coexist with each other so i was wondering like like what do you think of that and how could we possibly create this thing um, I, I want to briefly first, like, give one comment about, like, the movement by which uh, uh, cells or individuals mm, okay. go back into the, uh, a wild state or, like, a state of, of, like, you know, like, individual survival. Mm. And one of the challenges that I see is uh describing this as though the individuals or the cells do this intentionally mm, as though yeah. they want to do it good point yeah and uh I, I just wanted to say my my hunch and it is no more than that is that it is simply a principle similarly to like let's say why a, a soap bubble is round right is based mm -hmm. on a principle yeah. of of mm. of uh, uh, minimizing a certain type of energy differential probably Mm. Uh, and so any other shape would be not preferable. And so I assume that in nature, any structure that becomes, that, that is a dynamic structure that was created through an evolutionary process, which is true with cultural structures as well, because they were built through evolution, right? That something mm. has yeah. evolved over time, a certain practice has evolved. But if this practice turns almost like against itself, against the mm, organism, yeah, yeah. then there is a pattern in nature that then devolves the individual elements into a previous state. Indeed, mm. just it, it's almost like running into a dead end because once you run into a dead end, you actually have to go back and revert to find a different exit, right? And I think this is literally just like a seeking pattern of nature itself, where if something gets stuck, in a position, then it just decomposes, decompiles again into like a previous configuration somehow. And this is very non-scientific, right? Because that's a story. That's kind of what, what like Jordan yeah. Peterson might call like a myth or narrative. Myth, or something. Mythopoetic, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I, I cannot think of a scientific description of that. I, I just see that happening in both the cases of, let's say, cancer, where cells lose their telomeres, or rather, like, even if they have telomeres, they no longer care about them, right? Mm -hmm. Where, like, once the telomeres become very short, that's like Brett Weinstein's thing, then it actually stops the cell from proliferating, and it literally goes into senescence, and is at some point, it dies, and that's it. There's no more cell division. But cancer is when that mechanism stops functioning, and cells just, like, happily divide as long as they can go. Hmm. And similarly, I guess that happens in a culture as well. If like a, a situation is reached by which the individuals in the culture realize intuitively, instinctively, this is no longer working, then they deconstruct the mechanisms that stop them from uh, acting in the way that they would have acted in a yeah. previous cultural developmental mm. stage, right? And they really revert back to not cavemen, but let's say to common law, I do as I please and others need to reconcile that with me personally, right? This mm. is some sort of like that very kind of rudimentary culture. And it goes back to that. And uh, now coming to your question, uh, a meta utopia. Yeah, I would say that a meta utopia might look like something where 
it's a little bit like a republic, like a federal republic, mm, yeah. where local cultures are accepted so long as there is a superordinate culture that provides a mechanism for cultural reconciliation, such that neighboring cultures can reconcile somehow their differences in a not too violent way. And I wouldn't say completely nonviolent, because that would already be too much imposition, right? If you, if you were to say no weapons, no violence, no mm. shouting, that's almost like saying, you know, the same as the woke liberal left, yeah. by saying like, no microaggressions. No, 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 like seriously, like violence will happen. But let's try to put a mechanism in place by which we try to reconcile it when it happens, right? Mm. And then I think a meta-utopia for me would look like very much like a like the federal republic where you have different states and states you have like counties and districts mm. and you allow as much local cultures as you can within a constitution mm, yeah. and then we we have actually a pretty good constitution in my opinion right so i i really think it, it regulates a lot of things to the extent where if i'm a new yorker and i visit texas i can still like rely that certain of my inalienable rights will not be violated. Hmm. But whatever local laws are applying in New York may not apply. And I have to play by my host's rules and vice versa, right? Hmm. And so uh, I, I don't think it is really necessary to create this kind of like single non non-existable like or, or, or place that cannot exist this utopia hmm. with, a, with a single you and instead, indeed, come up with a framework that allows multiple places that are good for people in their local culture to exist. Mm. And of course, one of the challenges then is, specifically, I would say, in the late 20th and now early 21st century, uh, and I don't know how much time we still have or like you, you want to keep talking about whatever, this, you, whatever you want to go. I mean, we're good. Is, is um, that from an economic point of view, the differences in how successful from a purely economic profit seeking rent seeking whatever like approach different cultures actually are and uh, there is a challenge to at some point i believe reduce the the significance of money I think we will always we will always have money or currency or some form of general means of exchange that needs to be reasonably centrally administered. So, like as much as I hmm. like to speculate about democratizing money and let's say having some sort of like democ democratic Bitcoin, where like everyone mints their own currency and somehow it is all reconciled. Hmm. I don't see that happening because similarly to the constitution of the United States, which is kind of not regulated so much, but at least like we have a Supreme court and there's only a very small number of people who kind of are the watchdogs over the, uh, uh, over the constitution and the constitutionality of the rules. Right. And like in a, in a democratic currency, where like there is no bank or there is no central planning structure, how do you actually trust that the other people are still doing a good thing? And it's just like, because a currency is not the same thing as a market in my, in, 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 in my understanding of it. 
because it really, uh, like in, in a very local market, if I go to a supermarket and buy something, uh, I only really need, need to have trust in that the person accepts my currency and that the, and the, that the goods that I get are what I want. And that the, if, if I don't like the price, I can go somewhere else. But the currency itself, if the currency is going through like, like completely un, uh, 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 unexpected, unexpected surprise moments, hmm. I think that's a very bad kind of like, uh, uh, like I, I, I think it doesn't work. I think really, and, and that's why uh, currency crisis, inflation crisis, in the past are so detrimental to the economy because suddenly everyone loses trust in the currency. So you must really, similar to the constitution, you must trust the currency. And that's why I think like it's probably best centrally at least, like there's a central watchdog that looks at the currency and says like, we guarantee that nothing weird is going to happen. And unfortunately, like this trust has already been, been broke with quantitative easing and all of that where like mm, the, the, exactly. the, the amount of money, like, but that all aside, going back to like the meta utopia, I think that different cultures have a different amount of, let's say, respect and value of things like ambition and competitiveness and striving and like, you know, like work, working your ass off to get to the next stage of like something. Mm. And there's in principle nothing wrong with that as long as we are willing to live with a consequence. But unfortunately, and this is kind of coming back to my point, uh, and a little bit like what Eric and Brett Weinstein are saying, roughly starting in the 1960s and 70s, like the function by which additional effort translates into additional income yeah, yeah. is by far no longer linear, right? Where like if, if you work, let's say, 30 hours, 35 hours a week, 40 hours a week, and you are in a certain profession, you make maybe this much income. But if you're willing to work 45, 50, 55, 60 hours, it's not that you get like 50% more, 60% more, or even 100% more income. You can make 10 times or 15 times as much income. Mm. And that really depends on like the culture in which you grow up in. You know, how, mm. how much are you willing to sacrifice your lifestyle for your income? And then the problem is that because of scaling and efficiency requirements, this really creates an ever-increasing, it's just like a market force that really pries the population of a country apart into subcultures that are just like, you know, like, that's okay. Mm. And subcultures that may be working their ass off and they, they, they reap really like the cream off the top of the rewards and then, of course, you have inequality and all kinds of other things that come out of that. And, of course, like the inequality is like based on lots of things. But uh, I, I see too little recognition almost on both sides of the political spectrum that this exists and that it is a process that somehow you have to keep everything together. And so like for the meta-utopia, the, the, the meta version of the good places to work, I think money itself must be, become less significant. Mm, and so exactly. I, my, my, my proposition would be to have two currencies in a country. One currency that you use for basic requirements, food, rent, minimal health care, whatever. 
And another currency that you use as this kind of reward and ambition and like really kind of seek going to the cutting edge of like whatever I can get out of this, hmm. right? Yeah. And this also to me speaks a little bit to how in the human body cells are organized and have like a ground that they, they have a base load where they, they use energy at all times. And then there's like a, an energy consumption mode where you actually use them, right? And so like mm. to the extent that you don't use your muscles, they will still use energy, but they will slowly atrophy. But they will still use energy. But once you then start using them, then they use more, more energy and then really more energy is pumped there. But that doesn't mean that parts of your body that you don't actively use don't get any energy. There's mm, always yeah. a basic energy, energy supply for everyone. Exactly, yeah. And that's, I think, what Andrew Yang tried to get at with the base, like the universal basic income. Yeah. But as long as it's the same currency as the other money, I see a huge problem there. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why I find that like, like actually not the best approach. I don't have a better one, though. Mm. I mean, yeah, like, you know, I remember when we, we first talked in our uh, in our first like Zoom session uh, way back when you talked about like we should have like a dual currency. And you sent me that video, which is hilarious because I had literally just watched the video like a couple days before. And I, I look, the, I can't pronounce his name. The Greek economist guy, yeah, <laughs> the yeah. leftist Var Greek economist guy. Yeah. Do you, can you pronounce it for us? Varoufakis. Okay, whatever the bear pack is. So it's basically, yeah, and like we noticed it, it's like the Wall Street completely decoupled from, you know, from Main Street. It's just like whatever's going on. Oh, oh, every, everyone's shutting down. Oh, uh, historic unemployment levels. Oh, Wall Street, all time high, all time high. All time, it's just like completely decoupled. Like this, like this is, it no longer matches what's going on. Like in reality, in, in everyday life for like real people and not just like, you know, quants and like like robots that just trying to chase that little number oh my god i gotta get the number higher and um so where i was going with this is i don't remember um so what were you talking so again so with the with the coupling so the way that i looked at it is that like so you kind of say like we should have like two separate currencies i think that's interesting and like andrew yang he was like okay we have one currency but we give everyone universal basic income right but the way I look at it is that like the problem with universal basic income and like, you know, like Yang and many UBI uh, um, proponents, uh, you know, uh, admit it, it's a stopgap. It's the fact that UBI, UBI is basically a Band-Aid on a gaping wound that the, the wealth of the United States, the, 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 the modes of production, everything, you know, the big tech companies that, you know, the big five, you know, all that is just like they still run everything. The fact that you get a UBI is based on the fact that they let you have it is basically, you know, it's just like, you know, the, you know, it's like with their lobbying, you know, and just like, let's say that like the, the, the tax, the tax burden on them gets too high. They don't want to pay anymore. Like, Oh no, you know what? We're going to Switzerland. We're going to like Barbados or something. Right. So the way I look at it is like, it has to move beyond, like it has to move beyond a universal basic income to what, uh, I came up with it before, like I came up with all these terms before, but Douglas Rushkoff, he came up with the one that I like the most, the term is universal basic assets. It's like everyone has like a stake in like, uh, in like humanity, like, like uh, humanity incorporated, right? It's just like, if oh, you're alive, you have a stake, you have a share, automatically you can never give it away. 
So automatically you're going to get your dividend. You're going to get your, uh, you're going to get your, uh, you're going to get, so, and this is the one where we could kind of get more deeper. It's like, you get your food, you get your basic housing, you get transportation. Now, is it like, do we get it for free or do we get more sophisticated? It's like, okay, do we have a currency that we could use? And maybe that could be um, what we could use. So I don't know if you had any thoughts on that or. Yeah, like um, I so certainly, I, I think my very conservative friends, they're still alive, so they can't turn around their graves, but like they would be yeah. very, <laughs> probably very unhappy. I love everyone. I just like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they're probably very unhappy with all of these things. <laughs> one, one of the problems that I see is that money is a promise, right? Money is mm, a promise yeah, for yeah. like future participation in a consumptive uh, uh, like that, that you can get commodities from the future economy mm. uh, and you can keep money for as long as you want until you need it and then you exchange it for something and uh, like a universal basic income or anything that is a fixed amount of a, of, of a currency for me always comes with the problem that what do I know how much tomatoes and milk mm. and butter will be available next year right because it's it's the promise and it would really mean that like any kind of production fluctuation uh, would almost be like like uh, lead to very strong fluctuations in that currency and so i i think that's part of like why uh, um like we now have the system that we have is like that a lot of people, depending on the current like situation uh, uh, locally, have like may run into challenges, and also like really kind of very locally. If if you let's say have a health crisis, right, and you have to spend some money on that, and suddenly you can't buy enough food or like whatever, it, it always like leads to this kind of local problems. Hmm. And so I certainly like a kind of dividend, some sort of like. A, and I, I would see it more, and this is, might be something that is a little bit closer to what conservatives may say, a very local promise of the local community to mm, not let right. anyone starve or mm. go hungry or whatever. And it's not so much like that I, that I suggest, oh, let, let's build up on the Salvation Army network or like let, let's make sure that there's like a local branch of like some kind of conservative church in every county that like if mm. someone is, is is hungry they can go there but i do think that again like trying to solve this as a federally mandated program where like one person sitting in an office or even like a commissioner or even like, mm. like from every state someone comes and says like okay here's what like on my in, in my local markets the, the the needs are and the prices are so if you live in somewhere in tennessee here's how much money you get and still, I think it doesn't really capture the need, the actual need of people, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, I, I, I would rather prefer a solution. And I've, again, like, technically speaking, this, this is the challenge. Because if you try to put it into, like, a technical language that then applies everywhere, you may have mm -hmm. quite a lot of people who say, that's not what we want. Because there might be a culture where they really say, no, if someone doesn't want to work, they don't get anything and we'll let them die and they have to work mm. where there may be a culture that, that says like, no, even if you're homeless and you are a bum and whatever, no, we'll still feed you because like, we're like humanitarians. Right. And 
ideally, I would, I, I would love to see no one starve to death. And I would love to see everyone living in a kind of housing that I think is like, comes with the dignity of a human being and all of these things. But if a local culture, and with local, I don't mean like a, a small town, but literally a state in the United States, yeah. if the people in that state were to say, you know what? No, like we have enough jobs and we have enough resources to feed everyone so long as they have a job. Nope, you have to have a job. Hmm. And I would then say, sure, I wouldn't want to live there mm. because like I, I want to live with people who are a bit more, I don't know, like human friendly or whatever I might call that. But I can accept that it doesn't have to be that way everywhere. And so, uh, I again, I'm, I'm very skeptical that any kind of program that tries to find the one shoe fits all solution for everywhere in the United States will run into this kind of cultural difference barrier, where you just have local cultures that simply disagree with everyone should just get like be, be fed and pampered and like whatever for free. Because mm. they say, no, that's a bad idea. Because this will just like generate laziness and whatever. And maybe in that local culture, that is actually correct. Mm. That's the thing, right? Because uh, here's the yeah, thing. I, I, I can totally see why people who come to New York City, they probably don't come here with the idea, oh, in, I, in New York City, I'll be taken care of. Let me just be homeless <laughs> no in New York way, City. No way, bud. Seriously, no way. like, really? <laughs> but at the same time, I can understand that in another culture, if they could get away with it without moving, okay, I live and be homeless in Florida. It's nice and warm. And whenever I want some food, I go to the soup kitchen. Great. I don't have to do anything. And so like, I, I can certainly see why coming from a different culture, yeah, in that culture, it would really be a bad idea to have like a solution by which everyone just like is being fed and housed and healthcare provided without any demand mm. right and so it's uh, I, I i i don't have the solution but i think like a one size fits all solution seems to be not working at least not in the united states maybe in a country where the culture overall is more homogeneous it could work but i think the there's there's already too much cultural variability in the united states for that to work here mm. i mean yeah that's a great point because like yeah it's, it's kind of like you know how like you have like one thought at one point and then like, but then you have another thought at another point, but then like they, they're contradictory. Right. And it's like, I, I mean, I love that you pointed out because I was like, cause we were just literally just talking about the meta utopia. Right. And then I'm talking about humanity Inc. And it's just like, <laughs> that's the thing. It's just like, it's like, you know, we got to like, so it's more like, it's more like what game B was talking about. Have like, we got to have proto B's everywhere. Proto B, proto B, proto B communities. Right. And then where you go about like maybe some communities, so you know what? If you don't work, you starve. And another one, you know what? We'll take care of you. And then all everything in between and everything outside of that constellation. And it's just like what actually happened, what what actually happens is these proto bees, these proto communities, they they naturally compete with each other. And it's just like, oh, it's it's not just like, hey, uh, uh we we believe this, and it's just like how it is. If people see, like, oh, there's another community over there. They're kind of more like what I'm into, and then they, you could you could join, but then if it ends up failing, they're like, oh no, we gotta spread out, and like and like they're talking like you know Jim Rutt talks about how like it, you know, naturally it's like you know like the, some of the survivors of the failed community will spread out to the other proto bees and teach them oh this didn't, this failed and that failed, and like what w- one of the um, 
boundary conditions to allow this to happen though is like we have to make sure that there's like a, a sufficient openness like there's a the sufficient like uh permeability of the membranes right yeah. so if like from one one group can go to another is it's, it's the uh it's, it's the it's a friction cause it's a transaction cause it's just to go from one thing to another and like that's the thing like you know that's the thing about the uh the american experiment which worked for a long time we don't know how much longer that's going to work you it, it was this constitutional meta utopia for some people not others but you know it's like it's just like and then like the states there's it's a very permeable it's like woo go here go here go here and then it's just but it's just it's not working anymore now i mean like we went over some of the reasons why it's not working anymore and you could have other opinions I mean, it's just like centralization just like it could be capitalism itself is is a problem or our capitalism that's the regulatory capture in the society and then like this nascent uh you know broadcast mentality and the cultural divide being the coastal elites and all that um so yeah i mean i don't know where i was going with that but i mean yeah i mean like if you have anything uh, if, if any thoughts yeah so i in general i i do sense that we are moving towards like a like like, like a you know, like in chaos theory, you would call it a bifurcation point mm, yeah. where there's enough energy in the system to expel us into one of many, many possible different directions, mm. right? And we could, I, I really see the possibility still that uh, there's enough people out there by now, a critical mass of people, uh, like similar to Brett Weinstein's Unity 2020 movement, right? Where Who, who simply say, hey, we need each other. And I don't mean this in the shallow way of like, oh, let's all be a happy family. But that the success of the American experiment in the long run and across these subcultures is precisely the notion that you allow others to do their experiment and to learn from them. And that that is kind of a mutual process that is characterized by respect, by which you know, if you if, if you live in Boston and you think, oh, I'm I'm New Englander and like I know what's best in like, you know, categories X Y Z. Oh, but then look at the look, look at the Floridians. They have figured out how to enjoy the sun and like how to just like I don't know like whatever they do, but like it's great. Let me actually do my vacations there and like take something from that culture, hmm. and vice versa, right? And. The, the, the two main ingredients that I see necessary to not go into a direction that might be like a falling apart or civil war or like a f much more further narrowing of the space towards violence, right? This mm. kind of like closure, yeah. but rather an opening again yes. would be just the recognition that, you know, despite all of the cacophony and all of the negative descriptions in the media, all of the naysayers and all of the people who say oh if trump gets reelected then the country will go down the, the tube or like oh no if biden gets reelected if biden gets elected then kamala harris will be the <laughs> communist for four years and like oh. whatever, whatever people may say mm. if instead they could say hey like we are all in this nation together and we do not all believe the same stuff we have like different cultural like preferences and attitudes and mm. like you know but we can actually make something good of that as long as we don't try to force our own views necessarily in every detail on on the other people yeah, yeah. but we just agree with like this very basic framework mm. 
very basic framework is the constitution. And uh, I'm, I'm not saying that the constitution is like perfect, perfect, and that there's like no space for, for like improvement. But certainly before you say, oh no, like let's put like 25 gender pronouns into the constitution and let's do this in the mm. constitution. Hell no. Like if you mm. want to do this in New York, do it in New York. Mm. And if you want to do it in San Francisco, do it in San Francisco. Uh, but like, let let the people in Tennessee haggle that out for themselves, right? Mm. And just like, be, because, uh, like, just because I may, uh, so I'm gay, and if someone at some point, if I go to Michigan or like, uh, sorry, to, to, to <laughs> no offense, Michigan, we love you. <laughs> exactly. But if some, if, if I travel there and someone were to say, like, "Hey, you stupid homo," and so like, yeah, proud, proud about it. Mm. What's the deal, right? And and like, I I think. And, and this is maybe the other part of, of, of sovereignty is to also recognize that as much as one function of culture is to make the world as safe, as easygoing, as interchangeable for people in the same space, another function of culturation is also to learn how to deal with whatever remains in individual differences and not mm. generate an attitude by which everything that you find unpleasant coming from other people needs to stop, right? As soon as I say, oh yeah, there's, there's a person who says like, uh, I don't know, like women aren't as strong as men and they shouldn't be working in these occupations. That is outrageous. That should never be said again. Phew. I mean, if, if, if that is your attitude, right, that everything needs to like bend to your will. Sure, there will there will be conflict and violence in the end, because that's just like an like an unreasonable expectation of reality is that everything is like immediately changing to your preferences. It's, it's not going to happen. And so I think to learn to just like live with, yeah, like there's a difference in opinion. And, and that's what I meant at the beginning, right? If you can just understand that this conflict is necessary mm, yeah. to bootstrap us into the future and it will continue until we reach the dead end and then we will revert back to a, a cultural mm. stage where we're literally like are at each other's throats because that seems that the only reasonable alternative right and mm. we'll literally throw culture out the window completely and start yelling and shooting at each other that's, that, that's then the consequence. And I would rather try to have a, an atmosphere that fosters a bit more relaxation, a bit more playfulness, and mm. as much as possible, just like trust that, you know, things will work out. If we don't freak out too much, things will work out. Mm. I mean, that goes beautiful. I mean, like a, a, a conversation we were having before, and it was like, noetic nomads, like I said, with my uh, with my framing, which is preliminary, who knows what happens in the future, right? So it's basically like the way I, the way I, I put it is like, like it's a bunch of like radical uh, thinkers, uh, artists, uh, philosophers, scientists, technologists, and entrepreneurs, spiritual practitioners who are like, who are like uh, navigating uh, the unfolding global metal crisis in order to co-create a more beautiful future. Now that's my thing. And now the question is, are we actually in a meta crisis? <laughs> uh, and it's like, what exactly is the crisis? And is this, I mean, like, like you said, like, is this just like a, a natural process? Cause like, like we were talking about the superorganism and all that. And like, how, like, this is like, we're all like, cause the way, like the way I look at it and the way, 
like this may sound delusional and like you know like 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 you know but it's just like the way i look at it is like what i'm doing like i'm kind of like channeling like something like uh, in the ether i mean like I, that's very like a spiritual sounding but it's like it's like i'm playing a role that like maybe uh, you know unconsciously or maybe just barely consciously i realize like oh it's activated whatever is in me whatever what is genes prior to genes is being activated all these other people is being activated why is everyone uh, why does everyone have a man crush or woman crush or non non-binary crush on daniel schmachtenberger these days it's not for no reason like it's not random right so it's like there's something like is there like and we feel it and it's primal it's the reason that we've been on this planet for so long and we're that we're and, and like we're on the cusp of maybe something greater or maybe something not so great so again like i wanted to pose this question like are we in a meta crisis what is the meta crisis how do we know is this time different what do you think um yeah i i think that the to to the extent that there is a a crisis of crisis a meta crisis right mm, so like yes. like like a, a to, to the extent that that is indeed true, which I I cannot answer in part because I mean I'm I'm not old enough and I haven't lived for the last five hundred years to really 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 know how it was for people during the French Revolution or during the American Civil War or doing during like first and second World War like to really kind of get a sense. But you know if you read uh, uh, Jung or Nietzsche or like other people who have like in a certain way not not maybe predicted but they foresaw the problems that then manifested uh, uh, in, in the first half of the 20th century, right? Be between humans on a massive scale, like these world wars. And then to say, uh, uh, are we going in that direction again today uh, with like really a, a kind of global crisis of consciousness? Who are we? What do we want as humanity? What is actually going on with us? Why are we so stupid? Why can't we get this 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 under control our our temp our tempers and our you know like why, why can't we make sense together um to some extent i think it has been the same crisis that uh life has always tried to solve mm. and this is just like you know bootstrapping a semi stable structure from nothing right it, it just doesn't exist yet and uh, it, it is an experiment, and it could go terribly wrong. And you have to, uh, uh, or rather, like not you, but like I think life clearly needs to incorporate all the basic ingredients of life, of like f how forces are uh, uh, playing together to create a structure, how this then leads to... Uh, um, at, at the boundaries of the structure, how this leads to pressure there and how there's some fragility and that you can't make the structure too rigid because then it dies, but mm -hmm. you can't make it too unstable because then it falls apart. And it's, a, it's such a tricky balance to get right. And, uh, you know, like this, this, this is clearly like the same crisis that, that has been going on forever. And like to what extent we're going to find a solution to it or rather the solution will find us. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be very interesting. I, I, I would make the intuitive prediction that to the extent that we can relax a little bit, that we can just like uh, uh, understand that as serious as it seems to us day to day, all of this kind of, oh, Trump election and uh, 
Brexit and COVID and, uh, you know, like other crises flaring up and now the like waves coming through through the economy after COVID, mm. right? Like with the, with the worldwide production having like bumps and, and so forth, that all of this is just like the, the, it is what it is, right? This is kind of like how reality just like is. We can't change that. And the best that we can do on some level is to just be like, okay, so next day I'm going to do this. And if I do this, I actually positively contribute to this reality in some way. And other people will do their part and that may even seem contradicting to some extent what I'm doing, but this is exactly this antagonistic principle, right? I push this way and someone else pushes that way. And it's, it's a little unpleasant, but if we don't freak out too much about it, and as long as we do this in a respectful way where we don't want to shoot down the muscle on the other side, but we just mm. say like, okay, let's push a little bit. Let's keep the pressure up. Let's, 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 find, let's find this balance by which we create the structure without crushing it. And also without being so unstable that it all falls apart. Then I think we'll get through this. Hmm. Yeah. Awesome, Jochen. I mean, <laughs> I love you. You're amazing. And like, <laughs> I mean, this is, there's a story that I wanted to share, which is relevant to this. Cause uh, so I was at a stoic session um, way back when at a uh, Travis Mann's breaking the frame. Uh, and like, um, we were just talking about, it was just like, Oh, like we're just talking about religion and how like, you know, like how I get, I told my story of how I used to think uh, religion was really stupid, kind of like a new atheist, kind of like Sam Harris kind of vibe. But then over time, I, I discovered like Eastern, um, like Eastern spirituality, Buddhism. Then I was like, oh, religion, I, it serves a purpose. And and then it just like, we talk about materialism, spirituality, and the trolley problem and all this different stuff. I was like, oh, we are vibing really well. And then she was telling me about her work. I was like, oh, I, I'm a neuroscientist. Like, oh, that's cool. You're a neuroscientist. So where do you do your work? And she's like, oh, oh, I do my work at Harvard. And then I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and it just, and then we were talking about like how like she has like, like how she'll be doing her scientific work, right? And then like during a scientific work, she would like have these superstitious, like, you know, like thoughts in her head. She's like, oh, if I'm doing my scientific work, but like, I want to do it like this. Otherwise, like this thing might happen or otherwise that thing might happen. And then she got into all this other crazy stuff. She started going with like, uh, like a really spiritual kind of hippy dippy kind of people, like energy healers, people who've never read a book in their lives. And yet they live happily fulfilled lives. And I was just like, it just, it seems like there's an, even in me, like, you know, like I was very more open to the spiritual side, but now I'm like, I'm doing like uh, my sense making one-on-one partner, uh, 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 Tia, uh, where we just had like a, a, um, a session where she's teaching me tantric breath, where I bring uh, Kundalini rising up my spine, up all my chakras. And before I'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? Right. But now it's just like, oh, I'm open. And it seems like a lot of people are open. It's like this, this spiritual side, this reintegration of the spiritual side is coming on. And I know you were like, you know, I, I was researching your work. I was like, oh my God, I had to take extra nootropics just to understand like the headlines and stuff, right? And it's just like, I was wondering like, what do you see is like the, this reintegration of the spiritual in this, in this moment, right? And it's kind of like we moving from like, the, the, the modern, you know, kind of like rational empiricist and the postmodern kind of break everything down. And now it's kind of like something meta modern. Like, what is that? This is like, it, it's just like incorporating everything. It's just like we, 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 we have our own little realities and then we incorporate our own little magic. I'm, like, I'm just wondering what you think is going on in this current, this, this moment. And like, if you yourself have experienced anything like that. Um. So to, to the last question, yes, absolutely. Mm. And um, I, again, can only really 
speak to that from my own experience and perspective, whereby, so I'm, I'm in my 40s now and um, growing up, I, I really developed a lot of faith in science and technology. Mm. And I was a Star, Star Trek fan and like, oh yeah, like at some point we'll have like, you know, we can beam and we'll have like replicators yeah. and all of that stuff. And like, life will be so wonderful. Yeah, speaking of federations and all that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But then I was like, okay, so like, let, let's assume we have all of these technologies and even better technologies and better technologies and we're integrated mm. with AI and all yes. of that. Like, so like, what is life then about? uh to get even more technology wait a minute mm. like where where does that end like what what is the, what is the end game there like what is the final final thing that we're shooting for mm. and um i i i didn't find an answer in science or technology or engineering or like like because at some point it's like it feels that life is about something else. And this is more like, what does life feel to be about? Mm. And I don't think that science speaks to that particularly well. And, and neither does like anything that has a particularly like control, control focused attitude, like the, like the law or mm. like even, even the economy and markets, right? Because it seems all about like description and nailing things down and like making things predictable and, to, to really kind of like no longer allow life to be life, you know, because mm. life is surprising. Life is always coming up with something that you didn't expect. And like the, the whole point of life to me is almost, yeah, to, to enjoy the unexpected as much as you can and to mm. kind of take it when it happens and then integrate it into your experience in a constructive, that is to say, enjoyable way, mm. right? So like, no matter what happens, uh, you know, if, if, if I go down the subway station here and I'm late for a meeting already, and then the train just like leaves and pulls out of the station, I'm like, damn it, I'm gonna miss the meeting. Mm. Okay, what am I gonna do with that, right? It certainly wasn't something that I planned to happen. And if, if, if I had beamers or I could snip my fingers or, or Harry Potter magic, I'd, I'd be in the meeting in a second, right? Mm. But, I, but I can't. And so what I'm going to do with that? And that for me is life. Life is always this kind of like figuring out how to deal with the things that I didn't expect in a, in a way that I can as much as possible enjoy it mm. rather than freaking out or like, like and, and and that it really eliminates the need for ever more technology. And there's nothing wrong with wanting, let's say, better health technology and wanting to cure certain diseases. And like because in the end, that actually allows people to it allows more people to live, right? Because people don't have to die early or like because of certain diseases. And it also allows people to potentially live longer. But then the point becomes like you don't want to just live longer to live longer. You want to live longer f to experience something, exactly, right? To, to, right? To do something with that. And that is, I think, what people are rediscovering is, is the, the, the actual reason why they live. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it's the same for everyone, right? My reason is to enjoy the unexpected. Maybe other people actually do live to exert control and other people live to read books or write plays or create artworks or whatever. So I'm not saying that everyone's purpose is, is this kind of like, 
uh, what I see as my my purpose. And of course, like I, I have also like a social purpose where I feel like connecting with people. But again, it is mostly like in our conversation, Albert, like right when I emailed you and then we started having this chat. It was not something that I could have predicted. Exactly. It, was, it went all oh, crazy. It is, yeah. it is so enjoyable, right? Yes. And that, that for me is life, for me. And other, for other people, life may be something entirely different. But to really reconnect with it, and that might be this kind of spiritual connection, to look very, very deep inside and really mm. try to figure out what is it that when I experience that, that is life. I feel so alive when that happens. And that for me would then be, yeah, like, like try try to seek that try to really understand that about yourself and to manifest that as much as you can i mean yeah that's beautiful because it's just like for a long time like look i mean i had a really terrible like, like, I, like i'm not gonna lie i had a pretty terrible life up until very recently but it's it just like it, but but it's like but like working my way out of it like i was always like oh i gotta i gotta get better i gotta get better it's like oh i gotta keep doing this keep doing this keep doing this right and then after a while, I like I like stopped and I breathed. I was like, "Is this like what is this for?" But I, you know, I could understand that. I could understand that why like people are getting into like a you know like 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 the, the fetish for productivity and always being busy and grinding and all that stuff because it's just like, oh, it's got to get somewhere, got to get somewhere. But it's like to me, it's like that's a, it has instrumental value. Yes, you're working, you're working, you're working. Like let's say I'm working on noetic nomads. I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, but I'm working for a greater purpose. I'm not just working and working and working to get more money. Money is just is an instrument to get something else, right? But you know, money can't buy money can't buy what we really want, and it's just like. This is like this is like a saying I I, I can't I thought up with and it was just like even an infinite number of productive movements cannot make a meaningful life. You could you could do every you could do you could make you could schedule your day to the second every single day. I'm gonna do this 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 this. That does not guarantee a meaningful life because meaning because like meaning is what you imbue onto whatever it is onto every moment. It's like let's say you're like you know let's say you're like. You know, you're, you're like washing dishes or something. It's like, oh, my God, I'm not being productive. I'm washing dishes. It's like, oh, what am I doing? Oh, I have this dish. Oh, it, uh, I'm washing this dish. It's like, oh, it's like I'm like I'm like making my life easier. I'm like uh, I'm like doing something in order to 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 get rid of this mess on this dish. And in the meantime, I could listen to an audio book or a podcast and learn. And it's just like all of a sudden, oh, wow. Now I have I have meaning in this moment. It's like we could do this at all times. And like. Well, you're talking about how people discovering what they're meaning in. It's just like one of the things that, you know, ev what evolution has done to us, unfortunately, it's uh, selected against wonder, right? If we were like, if we ever, all the time we we're like, oh my God, look at this, look at this mouse. Oh my God, look at the little curve right there. Look at the mouse. <laughs> like, if we did that all die, we'd all be dead, right? And it's like, you know, I've done a lot of experiments with uh, plant medicines or, you know, psychedelics, whatever you want to call them. And when I do it the other day, I was walking down the street. I was walking down the street completely tripping on acid, right? I couldn't see in front of me. I was walking through traffic. I couldn't see in front of me, but I was like, oh my God. I was just stuck in my head. And I looked at this tree. I was like, oh my God. Breaking news. This tree, this tree happened. And I was like, oh my God. I started tweeting about it. I sent like 50 tweets in one day talking about just taking a picture of like, oh my God, there's like sparkles coming out of the tree. I was just completely blown away by it. But it's just like evolution has bred this out of us because it's just like, we have to act like, we, like we've been there, right? When I went to New York, right? I was like, 
you know, secretly I was like, oh, look at all these buildings. Oh, I know them. I've heard about them. But there's like everyone all around it just is like just going straight ahead. And it's like, I'm looking like a terrorist. Like, and it's just like, it's like you kind of like, oh, it's just like take out the astonishment. It's just, no, you have to act like you've been there. You got to be cool, right? You have to act cool, right? It's like, no, F being cool, man. Everything is awesome. We have to remember, right? You could go back to a childlike mentality. We got, we don't have to collapse from a wave to a particle, right? We can remain a wave. You go, we can, we can remain children. We could go back to our childhood and be, be, be amazed and ask questions about everything. So sorry for that tangent, everyone, but seriously, remember that everything is awesome. <laughs> so thank you so much for tolerating that um so like i, I wanted to move on unless you want to <laughs> comment on that uh, to, uh, I, I i also very much agree with you albert that the our species for a long time i think struggled with like making ends meet in a certain way right we we, we i think other than animals who have a fur, we don't have a fur. So we really kind of are exposed to nature quite a bit more. Yeah. So we really kind of needed to find protection. And there was always like, like on a very basic like level, like if we're, when we're born, we're like helpless for like, I don't know, like three, four, five, eight years, right? It takes a long time. And so there's a lot of need to create security and safety so that we can actually flourish. Mm, yeah. And all of these things require cooperation and coordination and efficiency and getting better and better and better. And clearly evolution rewarded humans who could, who were better at that, who, who were better at creating efficient structures because they, those provided the biggest security and safety benefits for mm, the genes. Yeah. And we're now, I wouldn't say stuck, but we are in a place in history and time and, and, and you know, like and, and technological advancement where we are globally connected, but we're still very much on a track to, oh, more efficiency, mm. more safety, more security. Yeah. Like, like, like COVID, the response to the, to, to the COVID situation is a very, very good example where uh, any politician acting in a way that increases security and safety, at least for the first couple of months, that was always, for, for most politicians, the way to go. Mm. Trump was clearly an outlier, right? But like most politicians, as soon as they could do something to increase the security and safety of people, yeah, that has to be done. No questions asked. Saving lives, poof, yes. Mm. And th there is very little time spent on like, okay, but is this actually good for us? Like, well, like mm. what, what could we be doing? And I'm not saying we shouldn't have lockdown. I'm not saying we shouldn't be wearing masks, right? I'm, I'm not saying that the alternative is better. I'm, all, I'm only saying we haven't really spent a lot of time really, really carefully and with curiosity. Mm. Just like, okay, what, what, what would happen if we, don't, if, if we don't react in this kind of like, very tight and tense and there, were, there was a certain tension around this right and, and and this is kind of for me this evolutionary benefit that one of our first impulses whenever we see a threat is to tense up fight or flight and to immediately come up with a plan that increases security and safety and then that gets implemented mm, yeah and there's very little like oh okay there's COVID. oh that's interesting <laughs> hmm Rational thought. I mean, come on, why? No, and, 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 like, you know, like to even think, like, okay, so um, 
what what does that actually mean, right? What, what does it mean that there is a virus now in our environment that we don't really know yet that can spread really fast, that has like uh, an effect that that varies greatly by age and pre-existing condition? Oh, well, like what does that maybe tell us? Maybe that tells us, okay, we actually have a finite lifespan. And instead of trying to extend it another half year and another nine months and another three weeks at the end of life, how about we just enjoy while it lasts? And then we just mm. accept that at some point we have to go, right? There, there would be alternative ways of interpreting this without actually having to respond to it at all. You could simply mm. let it go. And of course, that sounds so inhumane what you are suggesting not to do anything are you crazy millions of people will die mm. well i mean they will die anyway right mm. if they don't die this year they may die next year or in two years from now or in 20 years from now and again i'm not saying that the best approach is not to do anything but to really sit a while with like what that means and it is so unpleasant and that's i think this impulse that evolution has put into us that it is so unpleasant to think about a, a, a scenario that creates a risk and threat that we immediately have to act to thwart mm -hmm. it and it, it reduces the wonder it reduces the openness to like what does it actually mean to to be there yeah it's all about like me like you're like you were talking about it just like what does this actually mean it's like we all like put our interpret like you could interpret it however you want. It's just like you're not gonna die one day. Well, you're gonna die anyway. It's like you're gonna do this, and it's just like oh, you're gonna lock everyone down. You're gonna save people, but then they're gonna start killing themselves. You know, they're gonna start you know you know having uh, you know health effects from not getting sun from from isolation and all that. And it's just like we didn't take all this all these things in consider consideration and just like you know and like talk about meaning and it's just like wonder and it's like. I want to know, like, we're talking about all wonder, meaning, and all this. I want to know, like, who or what inspires you and what, what keeps you going? Like, what drives you, Jochen? Um, yeah, in terms of inspiration, uh, recently I came across uh, Stephen Jenkinson. And, oh wait, uh, do, do I, who's that? I think I remember that. I recall like that. like Peter Peter Lindbergh also I think uh, had him on the channel. Oh then, yeah, that's that's funny. Alex, Alex Biner had an interview with him, and he wrote the book uh, Die Wise, where oh, oh now I know now I know yeah. And and I think his one of his central points, what I what I took from from uh, reading that book, is that yeah he describes the mostly Western culture but like many, many cultures that have adapted to this kind of like capitalist or, or, or market and, and division of labor concept uh, as like a, a control addiction mm. by which we have become so afraid of not being in control that we do everything to pretend that we are. Mm. And um, that it really blinds us to, first of all, the reality that we're not in control, right? That there's always circumstances way outside of our control. And that it's just like to, to have the desire to control them is, is, is almost a pathology, right? Mm, because yeah. you, you will not ever be happy that way like, like, or, or, or content, right? Yeah. To, to come to a place where you just like, can, can breathe without any kind of like background sense, like something mm. could go wrong, right? And like, I, I, need, to, I need to control it. And uh, specifically then 
and I think that's the title, Die Wise, is how do we deal with, yeah, like this unknowable mystery of like, you know, not so much what happens when we die, but like that we simply cannot really kind of fathom it. It's just like an impossibility mm -hmm. to, to, to know it and experience it because then you're no longer there, right? So like yeah. it's, it's just like this unknowable thing and we're typically afraid about it. Uh, and I think this is this, the same evolutionary route, right, that, that kind of made us so, so successful is yeah. that we were uh, the, 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 we are the ancestors of the humans that survived because they were most afraid to die. And so mm -hmm. they put in yeah. probably the most efficient effort to not die. And so like, good for us, I guess. Yeah. But it now also means that we are mortally afraid, afraid <laughs> to die, despite the fact that we all will one day. And that, you know, instead of running away from it is to really in due course, not so much like in your 20s or 30s, but like, don't wait until you're on your deathbed, because that mm. it, it's pretty late to get acquainted to the idea that, yeah, you know, like this, this is a temporary gig. Right? It's uh... <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, it's, that's absolutely beautiful. And it's just like, the way I look at it, and like this goes back to what we're talking about about evolution, and you know, it, you know, we're the descendants of you know these creatures that are really good at not dying and killing anything that got in their way. And this, like, this is for a long time, especially when I was going through like my my really dark, you know, difficult spiritual journey. It's like I was so afraid. I was so afraid of of, of being weak and dominated. And that's like one of the reasons why, like, you know, this started when you're adolescent. That's why, especially in America, you know, I started getting into weightlifting. So I got to be strong and because I'm afraid I'm insecure. I don't want to be dominated. Right. And it's just, and, um, and the th one of the things is like, uh, when I started doing yoga, right. <sighs> that yoga, like if you're really doing yoga, like, like, like really going like super hard into it. And like, I would like hold my breath for like minutes at a time. I would feel like passing out. I'll be holding a stretch. I don't feel like freaking dying. Like, by, like, like I'm about to snap in half. And what, what really helped me and what's really helped me to this day with everything is just complete surrender. Mm -hmm. It's not about control. It's about, you know what? I surrender to this moment. If I, if my, if my tendon, if my tendon snap right now, I fully accept. If I die right now, I could, if I get hit by a bus, if my Noic Nomads project completely fails, if people like harass me and like threaten me and like they try to destroy me, I accept. And after I accept, I'm like, wow, like, are you talking about I could relax now? I'm free. It's just like, it's not about the outcome so much, just like I could just be. And it's just like, whatever it is, I'm just, it could flow. Yeah. Um, so Jochen, you brought so much fire and just insight to this. I like that. Thank you so much. I mean, it was so good. And like, you're talking about, oh my God, I'm not an expert. It's like, first of all, look, everyone, uh, Google Jochen Weber on the web and look at all this crazy stuff. And you're not going to be able to pronounce any of the stuff he, he, that he does research on. So please anyway, but amazing, amazing stuff. So Last question on the podcast. I turn it over to you. Ask me any question you want, and I'll answer it truthfully. Huh. Um, 
since I just started with the Sense Making 101 course, I, my question mm -hmm. for you would be, what's the like one thing that you say was the most yeah, significant like takeaway that, that, that you took? Not so much that I want to take away the same thing, but like mm -hmm. I, uh, I, I admit that uh, my, my first pot meeting is coming up uh, oh, late, later tonight, in fact. Oh, wait, 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 I hope I'm not going into that. Okay. Just no, 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 no. It's, okay, uh, okay. and, um, yeah, it's just, uh, a very, very interesting space I feel in right now. It's, um, full of really the unknown. It's, it's this mm -hmm. kind of boundary where I'm like, Hey, this is, and, um, but at the same time, it feels a little bit like me asking you, um, Hey, since you've been on this journey, uh, it would be just like, good to know that uh it's worth it and like uh to to really hear and maybe also like maybe for for other viewers and listeners in case they want to go in, in the next round in rebel wisdom mm, yeah. uh, uh so what what is the number one thing that you take away that you really kind of now take as a significant addition to your life mm. all right so so Jochen, i'm actually gonna you're like oh you, you want to ask me just to know if it's worth it I actually don't even want to tell you the truth because I'm because I feel like you're I, I'm gonna overhype it and I'm just because like Sense Making One One is arguably one of the most uh, you know like completely it's completely life changing it's completely pivotal without Sense Making One One this wouldn't happen without Sense Making One I wouldn't have joined Rebel Wisdom I wouldn't have met you I wouldn't have met my first two guests my my first two guests on sense making 101 i mean on no equinomads are my are my two pod mates in sense making 101 and we were having a conversation and my uh my pod mate tia like you know like we go like you're gonna see uh Jochen. it's like you're gonna have like 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 have like 20 minute blocks or whatever where you just you completely talk they listen completely silent it's like non-judgmental non-reactive completely everything and I would like go, I went into this talk about like, I specifically went into this talk about how like, I feel like, you know, like the, the racial discussion in America, it's very black and white, literally, literally, black, literally the, the black and then like some variation within that and literally the whites, some variation with that. And just like me being, you know, East Asian, I'm just like, I'm just watching from the side. I'm like, uh, you know, I'm like, <laughs> I have my own perspective, which is which itself is not the same as other people of East Asian, Southeast Asian, South Asian. Like, you know, like we are all lumped into this one category, right? Which is ridiculous in itself. But and I gave like my talk about it, right? And I just, I just went off like how I feel on the moment. And then uh, my Pamela was like, she was like, wow, like that that's amazing. It's like you know what, Rebel Wisdom. They should be talking with you, Albert. It's like, I don't understand. Like they have all these guests within a, like a kind of like a reactionary centrist kind of frame. You know what I'm talking about? It's just like, oh, we're like, no, we're trying to stay out the frame. because like the world crowd is crazy. It's like they have this specific frame, but like that, like that's like its own little silo. And just like, she's like, oh, you, you, I mean, they should talk to you, Albert. It's like, we should talk to them. You should, we should ask them to have you on. I was like, why the hell would they have me on? <laughs> Why would they put my voice on I me? Mean, only so, only a, a lunatic, right? Would, would would put me on their channel, right? So you know what happened? I created my own channel. I created my own podcast. I'm creating my own network, and it's just like that's it. That came from sense making one on one. That came from web wisdom. That came from going to the Stoa sessions and like being exposed to all of these different thinkers and all these like brilliant like radical thinkers. 
just like me who are crazy. Like when I went to like the, the rebel wisdom and still in the stoa sessions, it was literally the first time in my life that I, I felt like I was with people who, who with most of them are both smarter and more creative and outside the box than me. Cause my whole life I was like, I'm, I feel crazy. Why all these people, why does it seem like they think this way? Right. And just like, I went here, Red wisdom stones. Like, Oh my God, I'm with my people. Finally, <laughs> finally. And it's just like the fact that you people like, like Yogan, like I look at your freaking resume. I'm like, like if we're just put looking at it on paper, your 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 CV and my CV, they'd be like, "What the hell, like Albert? You get the hell out of here! You have nothing to contribute, right?" But it's just like in this new paradigm, this new world, right? This, you know, what this new age, right? I just realized, oh wow, like maybe there's a place for me here. Maybe I help bring it into into being, and like people, you like Yokin, clearly you're in like. I mean, I don't want to say like in the game view that, that you're, you're very, you know, you're very quote unquote successful in, in that realm, but you also have this other side, this, 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 this other side, this crazy side, right? The, this game B, all this sense making, all this crazy stuff, which is why you're here. This is why we're talking. This is why, you know, we vibe, right? It's because you have that in you too. So basically long story short, sense making one-on-one, absolutely amazing. And like specifically, it was just like the shadow. To me, like, it's like, it's like one of the first, like, it's like week two or what? It's like incorporating the shadow. And this was huge for me because this is the thing. It's just like the, the, like the notion, right? You know, this Jungian notion that is like, there's, there's these parts, there's these quote unquote ugly, socially unacceptable parts of yourself, right? That we, from like, from an early age, whenever we rejected, we were traumatized. You're like, oh, this part is no good. And then we, we, we suppressed it. We put it under the shadow and just like, oh, and then we go about through life only going through the, uh, the, 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 the positively reinforced aspects of ourselves, just showing that reinforcing that the whole time, just like, you know, just, just completely just, 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 just disowning the shadow. But what happens is that shadow pops up everywhere. You go walk down the street, you see this person for some reason, you, you, you really don't like them. It's like, what is it about this person? This, this person is, is terrible. They're, they're horrible. It's like, how could they? And you're very judgmental. It's like, oh my God, how dare they? How could they possibly be like that? Right. And they realize, oh my God, I, I hate them because they're my shadow. They're the stuff that I disowned. I hate them because that's the part of myself that I disowned. And I was so judgmental. I was so reactive. And I thought I was doing the world a service, right? It's just, it's just like, it's like I said, we're with the cancel culture, right? And, and like the, this woke crowd is like, you people are so terrible. I hate you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to destroy you. And there's all that stuff. I'm just like, it's shadow. It's just like, it's like that, like that thing, that horrible judgmental, you know, hatred that you're projecting onto other people. That's the part of yourself that you hate yourself. So to me, like integrating the shadows, like being in like a in consensus with the shadow, which is like accepting them fully being this part, this, 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 this space where it's just like, oh, I see you shadow. Oh, I just got my shadows activated. Oh, I see you. I see why. I see what, and it's just like, it becomes like, the, the, I don't want to spoil anything, but it moves from being a, a they, an other, like a third person. And then you move to a second person to you. Oh, it's like, oh, I see them. I see that, that terrible person it moves to, oh, I see you. I see you right from me. And then moves to the first person. Oh, I, I see myself. Oh, this is me. This is myself. This is, this is the part of me 
that I disowned and that I've hated so for so long. I've hated myself for so long. And then it's just like, wow. And then you integrate, you accept that shadow. You accept all aspects of yourself that you, you, you cast aside, that you disowned. And you're like, you know what? Self, all the parts of myself, this is myself. I love you. I love you, self. And then that to me was profound. And uh, when I got to that, when I talked about my shadow and sense making one on one during my pod session, I I completely broke down because I was like, wow, that that uh, is that self love I was missing, and that the totality, the integration of all of us, uh, that you know we've disowned ourselves and we we ha- we don't love ourselves because we we don't love ourselves we cannot love other people so it was that integration of the shadow the acceptance of all aspects of myself that to me was foundational and without that none of this would be happening right now mm-hmm. so long story short sense making one on one it sucks no i'm just kidding it was amazing so <laughs> That's it. I mean, yeah. So this was such a fun conversation. I mean, uh, dude. I mean, this is amazing. I mean, like, look, we go, we keep going into this stuff, and it's just like every time I'm like, I'm gonna make a fool of myself, and like I said, I surrender. I surrender to that. You hear me? I don't give an f if I make a fool out of myself because you know what happens when I surrender to that? This sort of beautiful stuff happens. Everything that's happening right now, and like I said. If I, if this whole thing just crashes tomorrow, I accept that. I went for it. I expressed myself and that's, and you know what? That frees me up. And you know, if, if this is a value of people, I want to bring value people to, to people. It does have anything. I'm glad if one person got value out of this, I'm so happy it happened. So, well, I certainly got value out of this, Albert. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. We are done with, uh, if I say so myself, an amazing episode of No It Nomads, courtesy of, uh, you know, Duda Yokin with his amazing insights all across the board, transdisciplinary, getting out the box, not staying a little silo. So, I mean, so Yokin, where can people find out more about you? Your link, social media, just, you know, where can they, you know, get in contact with you and see what you're up to? Um, I think the easiest is my blog. Uh, it's uh, Spare Time Philosophy, just all, all spelled together, .net. Um, and uh, other than that, I think, yeah, if, if, as long as you put my name into the description, as you said, they can Google. <laughs> There's probably not that many Jochen Webers in pretty I guess not. It's, it's uh, not the most common German name. <laughs> no, exactly. I couldn't even, I, okay, okay, uh, confession. I actually had to ask him how to pronounce his name before this because it's like, it's super German. Okay, whatever. Yeah, so spiritimephilosophy.net. Jochen Weber or whatever that is, just type it J-O-C-H-E-N-W-E-B-E-R. Don't worry, I'll put it on in the show notes. And that's it. All right. Okay, we are done with another episode of Noetic Nomads. Thank you much for joining us today. Subscribe, like, do whatever you want. You know, you know, I mean, just whatever. If you can spread the word, that's much appreciated. And peace out, nomads, and step up because the world needs you. All right. Bye. Bye bye. Yeah, stop recording.